This is Lampshade Media Presents. The Applebee's Bitch Wax Presents the two for 2021 menu. Samantha Sizemore, welcome to Lampshade Media Presents. The Applebee's Bitch Wax Presents the two for 21 menu. Thank you for having me. I hate that name a lot. <laughs> Man, right right off the get, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, Nick Glasser uh, really convinced me that it was the future for uh, my brand. So I am very Seems excited. Seems like a questionable future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I normally, I normally am not into chain, uh, restaurants that, you know, are not great, but in this case, uh, you know, because it's edgy, you know, the Applebee's bitch wax, uh, that's edgy and cool. Right. So the kids will like it. I'll give it to the bitch wax at least. Like that's pretty dope. Like I might want that like on a jean jacket somewhere. You can probably get it because the uh, it's a play on the Atomic Bitch Wax, which is a band that uh, Nick turned me on to. Okay, so maybe it is hip, and I'm just not hip enough to know that. <laughs> uh, I don't know. You're pretty hip, <laughs> so your approval will mean a lot to me. <laughs> okay, let's just run with that. <laughs> okay. Okay. So how have you been holding up, Samantha? This is uh, we're about a year into this pandemic now. Uh, this time last year, we still thought we were okay. Yeah, I'm still not okay. Yeah, I I'm mean, not up. We, we weren't really okay before the pandemic. <laughs> right. No, I still was uh, had lots of mental illness, and now it's progressed. Yeah. So. Yeah. But you, 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 you holding together, you keeping it, keep, <laughs> keeping it together as no. best you can. No, no, of course no. not. I already said no. No, everything's a, a dumpster fire. I'm trying to keep myself distracted um, and entertained. I've made friends with the gnats in my apartment. It's like they've been keeping the company. <laughs> Have you named them? Uh, no, I refuse to name them because they aren't worthy of having names. Ouch. Awful. That's no way I to mean, talk about your friends. Like, it's so inconvenient. Cause like you can't like gnats aren't really anything. Right. Cause like they're not even like an insect to me. So I feel like I'm, I get aggravated <laughs> and annoyed with them. And so like I'm yelling at them, but it's pretty much, I'm just like yelling into nothing. Cause like they don't know. I can just hear your neighbors being like, what is that? Oh, our neighbors yelling at the gnats again. Yeah. So I haven't made any friends with my new neighbors quite yet. And I'm sure that's part of why. Oh, is it, is it, is it the gnats? Yeah. They're scared of me. They're like, who was that insane <laughs> woman in apartment? Oh uh, yeah. We'll, we might have to bleep that out in case you have any stalkers on here. Oh, well, I hope not. I don't feel like I have stalkers. But I could be wrong. Actually, that's not true. <laughs> Never mind. I definitely do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you when you date people off a of Craigslist, right? 
Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> to be fair, he didn't even tell me that that was him until like four days after we started talking. I had no clue. <laughs> Not a freaking clue. Okay. So like, do you want to, do you want to get into this? Because people are probably a little curious, but if you don't, I'll cut it. Uh, okay. What's the rundown? So back in June, I think it was May 31st. Exactly. Uh, my friend Hadley, who you know, sent me a text and she was like, Samantha, this misconnection Craigslist ad is about you. And I was like, wow, yes, it is. Because he listed in all the ways that he's infatuated with me and like how great I am and talking about like all of my activism work and like how he wanted to watch me cry. I was going to bring that up. Yeah, that's so yeah. weird. So that was the weird part. And then my friends who I love made a very funny, like joke Facebook page that was like, I want to watch Sam Sizemore cry in a kinky way. Um, and then he joined said Facebook group. Oh no. We were actually Facebook friends. I kind of knew this guy already. And he commented in the Facebook group and he was like, I'm so glad that I'm in this group with like-minded individuals but I didn't pick up on anything. I didn't think that like he was trying to clue in that this was him that made the ad. And I was just like, haha, that's a funny comment someone left. Yeah. Out of context, um, like just randomly, that would appear to be a joke on the uh, on the theme, right? Right. On the Facebook page itself. <laughs> yeah, and this is a funny then, joke. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then we started talking on Facebook Messenger and all of a sudden one night I think it was right before we were supposed to hang out and he was drunk and he was like, Hey, PS, uh, that was me that made that Craigslist ad post about you. I'm so sorry. That's so embarrassing. Uh, I wasn't going to tell you, but like, it seemed like everybody was making fun of me on the post you made. And so I was scared to say anything. And I was just like, Oh no. <laughs> it's like, I'm talking to this like very like silly, goofy, seemingly nice guy, but like, We've talked for a few days already, and now he's like, P.S., that was me that wrote that absolute lunatic of a Craigslist post. And I still kept talking to him. <laughs> so <laughs> that's on me. <laughs> well, you know, it is the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, it's the pandemic did it. It's, it made me do it. <laughs> so that was just a disaster. That just, you know, to spare all the other details, it just ended in... Of course, he's a sociopathic, narcissistic, potentially suffering from borderline personality disorder. Who knew? Yeah. You're coming. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely put up. I just ignored all of the red flags. It was willful. Yeah. You didn't see that on your, on your 2020 bingo card, huh? Right. It's, um, <laughs> if some people are very charming, I, I just get roped in and I ignore all the actual things that matter. So yeah, that's yeah. how that went. 2020 isn't a great year for dating in general, but especially uh, weird stocky people. Yeah. The other sign should have been that he emailed my mom and sent her a friend request <laughs> almost immediately. <laughs> so I'm just going to suppress that. I don't, I'm going to move on pretend like it never happened. This is the last time I'll ever speak about it. That's that's good. That's good. I'm glad I'm glad that uh that I could help you put some closure to that just talking about it publicly in in front of the entire uh universe, you know. 
Yes, thank you. I feel very brave. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so happy Valentine's Day. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I've never been much of a holiday, like, Hallmark holiday type person. So Valentine's Day was never something I really paid much attention to, like, even when I was supposedly in love. (laughs) Are you... Are you going to feel any any sort of like special singleness like cuz this will be like the third Valentine's Day I've been single since I was, you know, 20 23. Uh yeah, I'm probably going to be pretty cynical and shitty. I'm going to be a little cunty this year, I think, because <laughs> this is my third well wait. Okay, I've been single since 2017 technically. So yeah, this is like three, this is four. I'm going on four Valentine alone. <laughs> Not okay with it. Yeah, you doing, uh, you doing something with the girls or something like that? Like, I, I, I hear uh, much about this Parks and Rec uh, style Galentine's Day is, is all the rage. Likely not. I did like a really fun Galentine uh, last year with Amber Falter and Alexis Nelson. I think even Bettina. It was Bettina too. Nice. Um, we did, we went to, oh my gosh, I might be remembering this wrong. I can't remember whose comedy show it was at Chatterbox. On Valentine's Day, for Galentine's. I forget their names, but they were very funny. <laughs> very funny looking up Yeah. That's, I think I remember the, the, uh, the promo for that show. That was, uh, that was a little bit ago. That would have been before, in the before times. Yeah, it was right before everything just kind of ended. Yeah. Yeah, those are that's another phrase that uh that's one of those phrases that I can't wait to go away. The before times. The before times. People like referring to like how this pandemic has just been so like overwhelmingly like influential on everybody's like life that it's now now there's all these phrases to, you know, refer to when it wasn't a thing like, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I think it started as like a funny, just like little joke, and then people ran with it and really dug it into the ground. Yeah, really uh, beat a dead horse repeatedly. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. if it makes you feel any better, like I went on, uh, I, I I had a couple of dating experiences uh, this this summer, and they were all fucking crazy as as hell, and it's just turned me off to dating in general. Yeah. I had uh I had one uh one woman I had to uh I had to break it off with because I found out her boyfriend was a Trump supporter. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh I yeah, I found out after she like called me over to her place for a for a hookup and then afterwards was like, "Yeah, I should probably tell you I have a boyfriend." And I was just like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> yeah. Totally trying to set me up to be her side piece. It was just the weirdest thing. I was like, I didn't even know this happened to guys. You know, I thought that was like a typical male thing to do. I mean, it's still a typical male thing to do, but it does happen to all parties. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I know. Now I know. But, the more you know. Yeah, and I think I think she egged my fucking truck too. I can't prove it, but I'm I think she did because my truck was egged like shortly after I cut it off. I was like, Yeah, no, I'm not doing that. Stop talking to me. That seems like a weird retaliation for her not telling you that she had a boyfriend. <laughs> I know, I know. And now it you know, I, I was uh, kinda harsh, you know, about cutting it off and just, you know, 
So maybe that was offensive to her. <laughs> she no, after I did that, she's like, "Thanks for the judgment." <laughs> she said, "Thanks for the judgment," and I'm like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> no, I'm I'm wondering though, like, are there details that you're not giving us? What's oh, the in between? <laughs> there's there's yeah, there's some details, sure, you know. <laughs> Like, but, are we gonna find out that like maybe you did get egged for a reason? <laughs> oh no, no, no! But uh, it, it wasn't anything like that. I mean, I I was like really like when somebody egged my truck, I was kind of like, well, why? I'm a nice guy. <laughs> who, who would do this to me? I don't piss people off. <laughs> and then I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> it was actually me. <laughs> was it you? Did I piss you off? Yeah, I went out of my way when you live like forty miles away or something like that. <laughs> you guys, it's such a uh, it's such a cumbersome journey for uh, you old town easters to come out to fucking Clintonville. It is. I will never <laughs> take an Uber or Lyft. That'll cost me a good twenty five dollars both ways. <laughs> <laughs> Not saying I'm worth it. <laughs> well, it's like I would I could drive my car, but then there's also the potential of like usually drinking a lot so you know it's a weird combination yeah yeah well i'll tell you you know in the before times when we would party at my place uh you know i'd i'd, I'd do some good cooking and now i got an air fryer so it's gonna change the whole game and since the last time we partied i got a waffle maker too oh that does that those are both game changers big time game changers <laughs> i can't i'm gonna be ready I'm going to be ready when the when the apocalypse ends, you know? <laughs> when the apocalypse ends, if we're talking about an actual definition of apocalypse, you won't even be here. <laughs> well, yeah, but I can dream, you know? Yeah. In our next life, we're going to have some mad fucking waffles. Hell yeah. And uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I am. So you've you've been doing comedy a couple years now. Now one year of that you haven't been doing comedy actually. So <laughs> so that yeah. doesn't count technically. But you had just gotten into it. I actually am proud to say I saw your first show. You did at Shadowbox. Yeah, it was super cool. Babe Roar. Yeah. It was Babes to Watch, right? Yeah, by Christine Horvath. She's amazing. She puts on really 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 good lineups. Hell yeah. Which is great. I thought I had such a good time. I thought that I did terribly, but according to other people, I didn't. <laughs> no, you, you didn't. You didn't. I actually saw your second show too at Ace of Cups for the uh, Stand Up for Choice. Yeah. See, now that one, I definitely thought that I bombed. <laughs> <laughs> like when I tell you, like, I don't think that humans should be able to sweat as much as I like I was perforating <laughs> every orifice like I've never had swamp act so bad in my life <laughs> it's like so nervous because I had never performed in front of the, I mean that was like a packed house for that yeah. for show, and I was like Hold, this is like a sea of people and picturing people in their underwear is not a thing that works I don't know how people convince themselves to visualize that or how um, it would make it better? Like, wouldn't you just feel more uncomfortable? I, I guess. I don't know. I've never actually tried that, and it seems like a weird... Uh, yeah, it just seems weird to me anyway. Like, I'd feel a little creepy pick, trying to picture... I, I generally, like, try not to picture people in their underwear because that just seems creepy as fuck. 
Uh, yeah, I feel like that's inappropriate because I feel like you aren't getting consent for like, <laughs> right. naked. Yeah, it's like, like yeah, I'm just uh, I don't want to be nervous, so I'm uh, just picturing you in your underwear. Yeah, weird. Exactly. So it, it's illegal. Name something that uh, feels illegal but isn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a that's a good one for that list. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I have any others for that list actually. <laughs> there's a few I've, I've started saying that a lot recently because there are just situations where it's like I feel like I shouldn't be able to hear or see this and I am <laughs> yeah. wrong. I can't name something off the top of my head in this moment but yeah <laughs> so so you, when you were there at uh at at Shadowbox or uh, up front, I should say, up front and Shadowbox are kind of in the same same business or whatever. But in any case, when you were at up front uh, doing the Babe Roar show, you were representing uh, Women Have Options, right? I was, yeah, I was a featured guest, technically. Because well, and you and you've you've been involved with Women Have Options for a long time, right? You're a co-chair there. Yeah, going on. Oh my gosh, I think this is my third year going into. Nice. You've done some work with the comedy uh, scene along with uh, Women Have Options before you were doing stand-up, from what I understand, right? Like, you were doing stuff with uh, different people? Yeah, I was. So I was pretty much, because we always table at most benefit shows, even if we're not the ones that are being funded for, um, but also a lot that we are being funded for, especially with Stand Up for Choice. So, I mean, I was pretty much just at, like, any single show and then I finally actually got into stand-up and then it turned into like me tabling and doing stand-up and like handing out EC uh contraceptive like all that good stuff so it was nice how it like all circled around women have options uh you guys give out a lot of the uh plan b yeah the little pill yeah. Yep. And you guys you guys are able somehow to just give those out for free. Those normally cost like 50 bucks each, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. That is what is so wonderful about working in Repro and uh, working for an organization that funds abortion is that we do have access to all those things that are supplied to us. And we give it out for free because we believe in reproductive freedom and the fact that None of these things should be as expensive as they are because it just makes it harder for folks to access what they need. Yeah. So that's really nice. How did you get involved with uh, with that organization then? So I actually attended uh, Stand Up for Choice with Jordan, Jordan Close. We went to, I think it was the second one that I had gone to. It was her first one that she'd ever gone to. And we met Stephanie. Uh, Sherwood, who was actually the executive director of Women Have Options, and they just came up to Jordan and I, and this was during Bolathon season, and Stephanie said, hey, are you two into abortion? <laughs> Would you be interested in making a team for Bolathon? Um, and that's pretty much just how it progressed from there. That's really when Jordan kind of started spearheading being an abortion storyteller and doing all of the protesting and activism work that she does with that too. And then Stephanie essentially asked us to, if we wanted to join the board. So we both did that. And then eventually I was asked to be co-chair. It all happened very fast. Like it kind of just like 
we kind of fell into it and it fit and we enjoy it a lot even though it can be very stressful and taxing and yeah now I'm kind of in the process of becoming an event organizer if women have options so I'll be in charge of like planning strategizing and booking folks for our fundathon that we're doing this year so that's really exciting too yeah were you in that uh involved with activism before uh being involved with women have options i was yeah i've actually i mean i've been doing a lot of volunteer-based stuff and a lot of travel and a lot of activism since i was 15. oh wow um, like when i lived back in dayton that's when that really started for me and I moved to Columbus when I was 20. Didn't really, I couldn't really find my groove with volunteer stuff and activism when I first moved here. And I was focusing on school and I was really adamant about wanting to get back into the community because I, I mean, I love the Columbus community so much and it has just become not even my second home, I don't think. I really, I think it's become a replacement home from Dayton at this point. So I wanted to get back into the swing of that and I did. And this is kind of where I've landed, which is great. Well, that's fantastic. Cause, uh, it's amazing. Like you guys have partnered with like the garden, for example, you can go to the garden on high street and pick up this stuff from there. And I'm sure you, yeah. you guys, where you guys have got other partnerships like that around town. Um, we got a little bit involved with lacquer gallery, the nail skin and hair salon. I, um, uh, my friend Kanoa actually worked. I have a lot of people that I know that work there, but my friend Kanoa actually offered to put a lot of our EC out there. Um, so at one point we had like a huge stash with them. I don't think we do at the moment, but I would definitely like to get involved with them again with that. Um, but the garden really is the main one. But we try to make placements all over the city so that if someone can't get with us immediately for something they need, whether it be emergency contraception or birth control or condoms or even just like booking an appointment um, yeah. for an abortion procedure, that they can go anywhere in the city and just like quickly grab it. Because, you know, it's time sensitive. So <laughs> Right, right. It's amazing how little people actually know about just birth control in general and reproductive health. Even now, like yeah. Margaret Sanger was out there preaching about reproductive health and birth control, you know, a hundred years ago. And, uh, and you know, I think we've come a long way, right? We've come a long way, but we're also still so very behind. Yeah. And it's frustrating just because we do have our government and people that are a part of the Senate, um, especially in Ohio, even our own governor, <laughs> um, who are just very much against reproductive rights and very much against uh, people having the choice to do what they need with their body. Yeah. And it's an everyday fight. Um, but again, one that's very worth it. Um, yeah, we have a long way to go, but I feel like it's just, it's really nice when you have grassroots organizations that I've mentioned before that are so invested in their community and so invested in putting in the time and the work to make people, to make sure that people have safe and affordable and healthy abortion access because abortion's healthcare and it should just be a human given right and we treat it otherwise 
pretty much a hundred percent of the time. <laughs> yeah, I definitely. Well, I, you know, I I I grew up uh, super conservative and everything. As I say a lot, people get tired of hearing. I'm sure, but it, it it was one of those things where it took me a while to kind of come around and realize that that this you know the, the this is not like like this life begins at conception thing is such a weird concept when you are able to think about it rationally because it this this is this is not yet something we need to be treating as a as a soul right right and I, for all of my conservative friends like the idea that i learned later is that even they even conservatives didn't think that uh before the 70s they didn't even think right. that that was just like Catholics thought that and you know, but, mm -hmm. but now it's become this evangelical thing and it was all, all, all based on politics and fear mongering. And it's such a weird thing on how easily people's minds can get, uh, just tied up in a, in an idea that, that is just so weird. Uh, anyway, you're doing the Lord's work, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> doing somebody's work. We're doing our work. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was using that figuratively, and then after I said it, I was like, oh, yeah, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been a, it's been a hell of a, it's been a hell of a four years, though, with, with, uh, you know, obviously all this Trump shit, and you guys have had an uphill battle with, with the work that you've been involved with, I'm sure, because of that, right? Yeah, it's, it's a lot, because even to, with Repro, it, also involves racism and sexism and classism it's kind of like an all-encompassing issue so i feel like dealing with that on top of dealing with systemic racism um just in our systems and with our government and police brutality it all kind of just like circles back to one another and it's just one of those never-ending battles it's it's a long game we're playing a long game with all of it yeah and hopefully <laughs> we can crack the case in like 50 years time i don't know what the time frame is going to be but it also just brings up the conversation of how reform isn't real and how it's not helpful in any of these scenarios huh. so what do you yeah what do you mean by that well, because with a lot of our systems, especially when we try to enforce policy change with anything, with any government official, with, you know, any Senate, what have you, it's always the short answer and what they believe is going to be somehow the long-term answer is reform. And that is truly just where you're going into these issues and you're trying to give it like an outline and you're trying to like create new strict rules that like the police, for example, are supposedly going to like automatically start following. So like body cameras are a part of their reform policy. Right. And we saw how that works. Issue. Yeah. Which doesn't work. So it's like whenever we implement reform, not us, but you know, the government and just even like your city officials, like when we implement reform policies, they don't actually have to be followed they're very easily broken they're especially clearly loosely followed and so that's where the conversation of abolition comes into play because again like we're just you can't do the same thing 
constantly and expect a different result, right? Like yeah. that's a very common phrase <laughs> or quote. And that's what we've been doing for so freaking long. It's like decades upon decades. And so I think abolition sounds unrealistic to people, but really it's just the want and the need for an like a complete and total alternative. And just a new reality that like actually works better and keeps people safe. It's not a childish retort to say abolition. What what exactly do you mean when you say abolition? Because that like most people like that means like the end of slavery, right? Yeah, and it's also a hard conversation because people don't want to understand that slavery really is still intact within our prison systems. Right. The thirteenth and whatnot. Yeah, and that's a whole conversation that you really have to break down for a lot of people or they just aren't willing to listen. And people are so scared of talking about abolishing the police system and are more comfortable with just saying defund the police. And it's like defunding is definitely a step. And there are just so many steps in between that we do have to do until abolition can clearly be at play and that could take a very long time but like we do have to do all the in-between steps and yeah abolition shouldn't be a negative word it's a word it's one of those words that we're very scared of because a lot of people just don't understand the the context of it and don't want to take the time to look into it or educate themselves or even listen to those who are trying to educate them about it um but it's definitely something I believe in. I'm definitely not afraid to talk about abolishing any system because pretty much all of them need to be. Yeah. <laughs> if for real. People definitely don't understand because I didn't understand when people said that slavery was still an issue. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Abraham Lincoln and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, you see a documentary like the, uh, the 13th on, uh, I think it's on Netflix. Uh, people go out and, and check that out. Uh, and basically all of these businesses are actually profiting off of free labor and we are putting black people in jail in, in a, in, in just a shocking rate. And America has, I don't know the, 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 the stats off the top of the dome, but we have more people in jail than any other country per capita by far. And it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, it really is. And I think once people start to realize those pieces of information and are willing to connect the dots and move forward with that, then we'll also begin to realize that abolition is just liberation. I mean, you, once you understand like the interconnected nature of oppression, I think it would help people realize the interconnected nature of liberation and how that applies to abolition and how it's really the only way we're going to move forward for the oppressed and not keep sitting on it, not keep doing reform, which is just keeping all of us down and still not keeping us safe and just having our lives at risk every single day in so many facets. I mean, there's just so many. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to talk with you about, uh, how, uh, activism is, is shifting and in light of the new, uh, the new government uh, that's come in this year. And to do that, I have uh, Pat Deering on the line here. Political correspondent Pat Deering, are you there? I am here. 
good to hear from you, man. Good to hear from you. You too. You and uh, you and Samantha, you guys do uh, do some activism in town together, don't you? It's true. You know, yeah, we've we've been we've been known to dabble. (laughs) 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 Yeah, sometimes uh, sometimes with or without your uh, your hat, right? What what is that hat you wear when you're doing your uh, observing legal observer? Uh, the legal observer hat. Yeah. It says, uh, NLG in big letters and then legal observer. Yeah. Um, it's neon green. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, uh, you know, Samantha and I were discussing this is, uh, so we're now into the Biden administration and, uh, you know, everything's fixed, right? (laughs) Yeah. Something like that. You know, we've had a whole, uh, two and a half business days, (laughs) Uh, of a of a functioning stable human being in the oval office so yeah you know things must be perfect now well i mean at the time the episode's released it'll be february 16th so by then obviously everything will be fixed uh, right okay <laughs> that's what we'll go with yeah <laughs> what so, yeah. fingers crossed I was, yeah, I'd love it if you guys could just, cause you guys are, are really smart and, uh, know a lot about this stuff and, uh, in, in organizing and dealing with these kinds of things. And how does it change? How does it change from probably the worst presidency in our history to what might be a typical pr- shitty presidency? You know what I mean? Like how does, how do, how do you guys adjust what you're doing? Uh, and and what your reaction is to the political landscape. It's more community work. It has to be super community driven because a president's not going to save us. And like, yeah, he's more sane. He's not quite as evil, but I, I mean, the same organizing, the same kind of demonstrations that we've been doing, turning to like your local elected officials, which Pat can obviously, of course, talk about is like has to be a primary goal and focus and not just leaving it in their hands. Yeah, absolutely. It, it It's going to reinforce how local many of these issues are and how uh, the decision makers and the power players um, in uh, many of these issues are, are truly local. You know, just the examples of the things that Samantha and I do together, whether it be women's reproductive justice, abortion access, and, and reproductive justice in general, you know, those are really state issues uh, when you when you think about it. And then when it comes to uh, police brutality, police violence, and, and making some change uh, for the better there, that's local. That's county level, municipal level, and you know sometimes township level. Uh, and the president has a, a budgetary influence on these things to a small extent. And then they, of course, have a very broad kind of tone and um i i, I want to say um news cycle prepping or, or setting effect on these things yeah. but at the end of the day the president isn't the decision maker about what local police do and what they get away with um, those are our local judges there are local prosecutors and there are local mayors and city council members so in, in a lot of ways it's really not different the conversations are going to change and the way that we hear about these things in the news and, and the way we talk about them are certainly going to change. And I think the the people who are involved are going to change because a lot of people are motivated to be involved because of their distaste for Donald Trump. Um, so we, we might see a, a decrease in participation uh-huh. uh, from, from the lack of the Trump factor. 
but it really stays the same more than it changes. Samantha, do you see yourself uh, making adjustments or do you see yourself just trying to strengthen resolve? Definitely just trying to strengthen resolve because, I mean, no matter what presidency we've been under, uh, we've always been doing this type of work. Um, And it's really a lot too about like grassroots organizing um, and those nonprofit organizations that exist within your city and your community. So, I mean, I mean, Pat really hit it on the head more than anything. It's not nothing. I don't think anything's really going to change, but I hope that there are still more people that want to be super hands-on and do the work. I mean, just groundwork wise and all of those things. So I'm hoping to at least like see more hands-on than we used to, but there is the nervous factor of folks will become complacent because we do feel that we have two very progressive people at the presidential level, which is Biden and Harris, but there's still just so much work to do and to keep doing and that we have to keep moving that we've been doing for three decades or more. So I'm hopeful, but I'm also concerned sometimes still. <laughs> but like right. hopeful a little bit. <laughs> I guess like Trump was such a dumpster fire that he caught a lot of people's attention, but now we're just going with the normal, you know, trash can fires, I guess. Right. <laughs> like, so like people are going to be like, ah, everything's fine. Yeah. Like the dog meme. Right. <laughs> yeah. Fine. I mean, it, it's a, yeah. I mean, one of the things, I mean, I, I don't ever want to say that Trump did anything good. Um, and I, and I hate for it to sound like this is what I'm saying. One of the interesting things about Donald Trump was that, uh, his ineptitude, his stupidity, his obnoxious personality and his just absolute dipshit butterfingers handling of every single thing <laughs> that that shit finger ding dong touched <laughs> really highlighted to a lot of people these horrible things the US government is up to that it's been up to under previous administrations, either Democrat or Republican, and aren't unique to the Trump administration. But savvier uh, politicians, more intelligent politicians, uh, human beings that can string a sentence together and smile um, at the same time, um, were, were able to you know, kind of keep people from noticing those things or frame them in a way that didn't seem so distasteful. They blew a better dog whistle. Um, so, yeah, I mean, because the thing about Donald Trump was Donald Trump was never blowing dog whistles. He just, he had a loudspeaker and he was just farting into it. Like, there was never a time that his racism or his nonsense was in a register that human beings couldn't hear. He was, he was the brown note 24-7. Right. <laughs> Nothing was a blanket statement with Trump. It was all very out there. Yeah. And, and it, right. what amazed me about that is that my family members would, would, when he would like, like fail to immediately denounce white supremacists, they would like refer to some out of context, uh, video clips of him saying, I denounce white supremacy. But like when asked on the spot, he would hem and haw for like five minutes before coming up with some bullshit half answer. And they would say, Oh yeah, he's not racist. Yeah. And, it was yeah it, there's i the thing that i'm like worried about is the damage that trump did is like going to be 30 years in the undoing if if at all because people were so 
brainwashed into thinking, oh, yeah, they burnt cities to the ground all summer long. How many times have you guys heard that that from conservatives or Republicans that, oh, yeah, Black Lives Matter burn cities to the ground? How long oh, are they going to be repeating yeah, that shit? Hundreds of times. <laughs> yeah, they've, they've been repeating it ad nauseum. And, they, you know, they've always been saying shit like that. Like, they've yeah. always been saying shit like that. That's not new to the Trump administration. No. It's not a new way of thinking. There, There's a whole third of this country who has always been that antagonistic to the concept of, you, you know, the Fifth Amendment and the Fourth Amendment being things. Um, but that antagonistic to the concept of Black people being able to expect the same bodily autonomy and the same safety in the streets that a white person would have. Um, the insidious thing about Donald Trump is that, or not even insidious, I guess just the, the hallmark of Donald Trump was that when those conversations started, he would just repeat those talking points and he would scream them and he'd drag them out into the news cycle. Whereas previous presidents would come out and they would condone specific acts of violence on either side. They would call for unity. They'd give a flourished speech that kind of like gives you a sense of calm leadership. And so they were, they were apt at making these events seem like they were not super frequent or that they were the, the, the cause of one or two bad apples, you know, that thing. They were able to placate people because they weren't screaming lunatics. Whereas Trump never had that effect. So he, he not only elevated those awful, you know, liberals are burning down cities, uh, Black Lives Matter is a terrorist organization because they, you know, they threw rocks through a target window. He, he elevated those things in the common discourse, but he also, by not placating things, by not smoothing things over, by not really being a competent politician, he allowed people towards the center, kind of medium left, you know, run of the mill, not super active, but vote every election Democrats to see that those opinions, those anti-Black Lives opinions, those anti-BLM opinions, those um, anti-police accountability opinions were very widespread and had been widespread for, for decades. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, that we have to remember is that history is always repeating itself. And like nothing that majority of pe that, that people have seen like last year or within Trump's four years is anything new. And even though I think that he elevated folks to be more verbal with their racism, it's not because they weren't ever racist before. I mean, they were just given a platform to be like so very vocal about it because they had someone that was like, it's totally cool to say this and be this way. So like say it to people's faces constantly all the time. But people's feelings with protesting for black lives and protesting for justice and I mean, even protesting for abortion, all those things, like people have had distaste and racism and problematic problematic tendencies with that for as far back as the sixties. So Everything that we've seen isn't new. It's just been, I think, definitely more nationalized than it has been probably in a minute. So it would be nice if people could also just remember that because we just have so much harm to continue to undo 
Um, even with Biden and Harris in office, I mean, we've still probably got another 50 years under our belts with trying to eradicate all of this absolute nonsense. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the moment we become complacent, which I know people are going to do, this again will just end up repeating itself in 50 years and look like it did a lot more. <laughs> yeah, 100%, because Biden and Harris both being competent classically trained classically brought up through the ranks uh politicians yeah they're they're gonna they will have the ability to to placate and calm people um and they'll they'll have the ability to to reassure people and that will that will disengage people so um we, we do have to be very clear um that biden and harris are an improvement over trump but they are an improvement probably only in so far as that they are going to not be a roadblock to us actively like Trump was. Mm -hmm. um, they won't be throwing up as much resistance to change as he did, but they're not coming out to make that change. Uh, they're not coming out to actively instigate it. Yeah. Right. They're blue at face value. So like all of the things that are exactly. happening now are just going to happen under blue and under a democratic party and it's going to go silent and things will continue to be done just horribly and probably not the way that it should go and unjustly still under the same people so it's like that's why i always talk so much about community work and organizing and strategizing and getting so involved and hands-on and helping one another and making improvements and putting in the work because I mean, really, like your cities and your communities, we have to turn to you to make the kind of changes that like we are fighting against right now with any uh, movement or protest or anything. Yeah, I really appreciate that perspective, too, because like that's what I thought Republicans were about as uh, as, you know, individuals, <laughs> you know, we care about individuals and ground up and. And that kind of thing, and and you know, top down force is bad, right? That's kind of what the messaging was. But then we see the Trump administration was like just all executive orders, and you know, and a lot of force, uh, and all of this, like, yeah, trust the authorities. You know, you know, it, it seems very backwards. And now I'm like, wow, you know, I didn't really, I'm not seeing what I thought I was supposed to see from the people I grew up with, you know? No, not at all. Oh, yeah. People, people will throw away their supposed political philosophies so fast if they believe that somebody holds or supports the same racist and xenophobic beliefs that they have. That, that's the, that is the classic rise of the strongman thing. Mm -hmm. um, they are totally okay with uh, a gigantic, controlling, brutal government, as long as that government is brutalizing the people who they secretly want to brutalize themselves, mm. or, you know, openly want to brutalize themselves now that we've seen it over the last few years. Yeah. yeah. So as far as you, you guys have both been involved in, in several different community organizations with uh, Samantha, with uh, Women Have Options. And uh, some of the uh, organizing, some of the uh, the protests this summer, and so on. Uh, but you're also both comedians, and you both do activism within that realm. Is that something you guys are going to be continuing to do uh, as things open up? Uh, hopefully, you know, by the end of the year, post COVID, and maybe even with Zoom stuff. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Um, even with women have options, we normally have our bullathon um, in like the spring, like late April, early May, and normally that's in person, and that's our huge, like humongous funding event where like we try to raise fifty k for women have options. So this year, I mean, we're still even doing it virtually, even though it's like two three months away. So we're doing a variety show fundathon for that. So there's still a lot of stuff that. We'll be working on in that scope. Pat, you have anything uh, on the agenda? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, you know, we don't have any hard dates really coming up with stuff in this moment because uh, the uh, the horizon is still a little strange. But Stand Up for Choice, you know, is uh, is going to be back and in gear as soon as it can be. You know, and I, I actually had been talking to Samantha a bit about you know how we might be able to do one more virtual show to help kick off Bullathon. Uh, maybe also help support our our, our wonderful long-term venue partner, uh, Asa Cups, uh, you know, who as a independent small venue has been struggling uh, throughout all of this. So, you know, the, the, the horizon is still kind of too far out to really see and to figure out, um, but we're doing whatever we can. And as soon as we can be back in person again, uh, you know, we're, we're coming out swinging um, because uh, Ohio you know, even, even though Democrats have controlled the Senate and the House and the White House right now, uh, Ohio is the exact opposite. Republican governor, horrible, horrible, horrible Republican House, horrible, horrible Republican Senate. Um, and they both have super majorities in those. Uh, so things aren't going to change a lot in Ohio just because Democrats have have national power. And it's just going to get worse with women's women's health and and access of all peoples to reproductive care. Yeah. And so we we're we're ready to do whatever we can to stem that tide uh, and to fight back. Well, that's, that's great. I'm looking forward to seeing that and God almighty, like the, the power structure in the state government seems to be incredibly, incredibly corrupt. I was just talking, I just had Bettina on uh, recently and, and you know, she works in the government in the state and she was talking about like all the different corruption that's been happening, and uh, it's—I I don't know. Like, what do you like? What can you do about that? Uh, fight back, always. I mean, everything's always been corrupt. We're built on corruption, so <laughs> I mean, really, it's kind of just like take it all over, burn it down, because everything's bad. I'm just kidding, kind of, but not actually. <laughs> <laughs> Being totally serious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, I mean, it, it seems like a simple thing to say, but it is a hard thing in, in this environment. And it's a hard thing, even without the pandemic, to constantly be doing. But so much of local politics is never ending perseverance, um, especially in a state like Ohio, where the Republicans have supermajorities in both sides of the General Assembly and they have the governorship. Yeah. It's because, uh, the, the, the Republican plan in Ohio for uh, reproductive rights and reproductive justice has always been a long game of grinding it down, grinding it down, grinding it down, yep. whittling away at the edges of people's access to, to reproductive health care and abortion so that they didn't get slapped with a, uh, a major federal suit uh, and halted in their tracks. They just keep peeling away at the edges until there's nothing left. Um, and then even go out and add ancillary things uh, like the most recent uh, bullshit uh, out of Ohio, which requires uh, abortion clinics to hold effectively hold funerals yeah. uh, for uh, aborted fetuses. 
um, which, which uh, you know, a court can't really look at and say one way or the other in clear words, this impacts someone's access, but it one it is a thing to just taunt and mock and be cruel to people who utilize abortion services. And then two is designed to put another financial burden on clinics and providers. So it's shit like that. And they just, they needle and they wedge and they peel away little by little every year, every lame duck. Mm. The only way to fight back against that is constant engagement and constant pushing back and utilizing every local and non-state government tool in the box to keep our local clinics open, to keep clinics in other cities open, and to keep clinics just across state lines in, in Michigan, Pennsylvania uh, open as well. Yeah, uh, Pat, before uh, Samantha and I let you go, couple of quick questions uh do you is there uh is there any hope for you for us here you got something hopeful to tell us uh something give us something good to go out on do you have anything because if you don't i'll just edit this out (laughs) (laughs) um you know as as much as uh as much as joe biden and kamala harris aren't going to be able to with a sweep of a pen, correct police brutality issues um, or move us towards abolition of the current police state and prison system and and recreation of something that actually serves our needs and and creates safety and creates community health. Um, As much as they're not going to be helpful there, I think there are some things to be very, very hopeful about that we've already seen uh, in the first few days. And that's taking the concept of a $15 minimum wage at the federal level seriously. More direct financial support for people during the pandemic. There, there's already been a moratorium uh, placed on de- deportations. Yep. President uh, Biden has announced a uh, federal task force uh, with emergency powers to reunite children who are being held at the border uh, with their families. Uh, reopening people's requests for stays of deportation, even past the moratorium, halting the emergency funding of the construction of the border wall, uh, immediate investments in in some green energy items. So you know, Bi- Biden is certainly, you know, he he's not he's not as progressive as a lot of people wanted, and he's he's not going to save the nation. He he's not going to you know make these radical changes. But there's there's no denying that in the coming weeks, there are going to be things done that are going to have a profound positive impact on the lives of a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and I, I know that I'm, I'm always one of those people who um, a lot of progressives uh, want to shake and be like, no more incremental change. We need revolution. <laughs> um, and like, I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I'm also one of those people that until that day happens, truly believes in doing as much good as you can for as many people as you can with the resources that you have. It's like us carpenters say, you got to do the best you can with what you got in the truck. Yeah. And and that is happening. I've never heard that one. Oh, we got some great (laughs) phrases in carpentry. Yeah. So, you know, things like that are, are happening. That's good. Um, And yeah, so there, there is, there is a reason to be hopeful. That's, that's great to hear. And then, you know, there's also, yeah. And there, there's a, Plenty of evidence to show that what Biden is planning to increase the vaccine rollout and to uh, place enforceable mask mandates and to give people more resources so that they can actually shelter in place and away from other people um, are going to have an, an impact. And he's he's going to get us out of this quicker than the Trump administration 
ever could have or ever intended to. So a uh, second question, just real quick. Uh, if people hear this and they're like, you know what? I was thinking about being complacent and now I don't want to be. Where should they go and check out some information uh, from uh, both of you guys? Pat, do you want to go first before you go or I can go first? Uh, sure. Um, <laughs> uh, for reproductive justice and abortion access, check out WHO, check out Planned Parenthood, check out NARAL Pro-Choice. Uh, you know, they're all, you know, those are, those are big names people probably already know, but uh, always uh, deserve a call out and a reminder. Um, if you want to impact advocacy and, and fighting for, for legal access, toss some bucks to NARAL. If you want to provide direct support for people who need abortions or need reproductive health care, who, um, who is, uh, women have options, right? Yeah. Women have options. Not the world health organization. If you want, no. Yep. And if you want to provide, uh, support to an all around organization that does advocacy and direct care and, you know, does healthcare outside of just reproductive uh, access, you know, Planned Parenthood, of course, you know, they've been in the game forever. Uh, if you're interested in in how we use entertainment to support those things, uh, check out Columbus Stand Up for Choice on Facebook. And then, you know, I'm, I'm a member of the Franklin County Democratic Party Central Committee, and I'm also one of the vice chairs of the county party. Uh, so if people are interested in how party politics impact these things at a local level and how they can influence change and, and fight for good through these uh, non-electoral political methods, uh, they can reach out directly to me. Fantastic. What's that email? Uh, my political email is Pat Deering for Coles, C-O-L-S 55 at gmail.com. So Pat Deering for Coles, C-O-L-S 55 at gmail.com. That's Coles 55, Columbus 55, uh, which is the ward that I represent. Awesome. And Samantha, do you have anything to add to that uh, and contact information for WHO? Yeah. So Women of Options, we are actually right now updating all of our volunteer opportunities. We're actually um, doing some framework and strategizing to actually have a volunteer Opportunities. I'm going to go with opportunities. You can always go to womenhaveoptionsohio.org too, just to see all of that because we do update the website. Um, we do have our email address on there as well. You can also hit us up on Facebook and direct message us. And then we do usually have our team checking everything to make sure that we're staying in contact with people. Another really good organization is Urge Ohio. That's Unite for Reproductive and Gender Equity, because that is repro justice, of course. And they are always doing campaigning and hiring canvassers. They do actually generally pay hourly to have canvassers. So that's something that you can do when it's a little bit safer to go door to door. But I also know they do phone banking. Obviously, Pat mentioned NARAL, which is great. They also do phone banking. Planned Parenthood does phone banking. So we don't really have to go door to door to campaign, even especially since it's a pandemic still. But phone banking is really easy and sounds boring, but it's actually very fun because of all the leaders that are in charge of phone banking. There's always a script because that stuff can be scary <laughs> to call people that might yell at you and hate your gut. <laughs> and then there's also the NAF 
which is the national network of abortion funds. I know they usually have like a sign up program where you can donate 20 to $25, which is one of the big national abortion funds, which actually is a part of sponsoring and helping women have options Ohio as well. And they have really cool flag when you sign up and donate your monies if you have it. So yeah, those are kind of the main things if you want to get involved. Also Columbus Freedom Fund, always definitely still donate to that if you're able. Michelle Davis, who's actually on Women Have Options Ohio board and also works as a driver and clinic escort is on the board of Columbus Freedom Fund now, I believe, which is very dope. All right. Well, I'll be sure to put those uh, the, that information in the show notes as well for you guys. Uh, you guys gave us a lot of uh, a lot of resources to check into, so there's no shortage of uh, places. Yeah, and I, I have I have one other one I would I would add, and it's not like an official reproductive justice or police violence uh, prevention thing. It's just a a general sele- uh, suggestion to people that. Uh, it is more powerful than you think to just have these conversations in, I guess I want to say pseudo official capacities, even if that capacity doesn't seem to be related, you know, go to your neighborhood association meetings if you feel comfortable doing so, you know, especially if you're, you know, I'll I'll be blunt, especially if you're a wealthy uh, white person uh, who has sway in these sorts of meetings, go to your, your, your zoning board meetings, go to your, um, you know, whatever the hells, your, your condo association meetings and talk to people about these things, because we, we have such a, a strange multi-layer level power sharing enforcement rules system in the United States that weaves a web of impact on people's lives. And we have to pull at it from every angle. And it can be, you know, you, you might not think that the local block watch is is something that you need to reform, uh, but it probably is. And you might not think that your neighborhood association can do much about this, you know, because they, they don't control the police or, or things like that. But you can, you know, influence other policies that have an ancillary effect. You can get people who are movers and shakers to start thinking about these things. Um, and you can surprise yourself with, with finding allies in a sometimes very unlikely places. That's cool. Well, thanks. uh, Thanks so much for uh, talking with us, Pat. I think the last political correspondent we had on the show was, uh, was Pam white. And uh, I think you're a lot more trustworthy. I will just say right off the, right off the bat. (laughs) I, I, I appreciate that. Um, you know, I didn't realize that that was what I was endeavoring to do today, but I'm I'm glad that I did. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on, man. It was great talking to you. Thank you, Pat. <laughs> of course. Yeah. And Samantha, thank you for the work uh, that you're always out there doing. And Mel, you know, thank, thanks for, for having us on and, and giving a, a spotlight to this. I, I do what I can from my basement in my pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. All righty. I'll talk to you later. Thanks, man. Yep. Pat. All right. So we got a lot of good information there. Uh, Love Pat. Love Pat a lot. That is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, uh, you guys do so much. You guys do so much and you're involved with so much. I don't know how you how you do it all. And then still have time to do fun, funny shit and, you know, <laughs> be, a, be a friend. Yeah, doing the funny stuff is uh, the only thing that actually brings me back down to this planet. 
and like makes me feel a little bit better most of the time. Yeah. Because laughter to me has like always been everything because like, yes, I do use it to mask like insecurities and depression and all of the terrible traumatic things that I've gone through. But like, it's also just, it's so liberating to laugh with like-minded people who are also so fucking funny and just laughter. I feel like laughter is just like, it sounds so corny because it's such an overused. It's the best medicine. It's the best medicine. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. I know. I'm like, let me come up with a better phrase. That one's so overdone. Yeah, yeah. It's the, is that on your wall right next to your live, laugh, love? Yeah, right next to the live, laugh, love. <laughs> Laughter is the best medicine. Yeah, but no shit, though. Like, you, uh, the Hamantha and Brisket show was definitely medicine, like, for a lot of people. You, you had the most killer after show. <laughs> I was shocked. Because I was like, I love and adore Bridget. Um, more than a lot of things in this life. She's definitely in my top 10. And I was like, let's start this show. Will you co-host with me? This is probably going to go terribly. No one's going to care about this. Like, you know, I think it was like the height of like virtual comedy shows. Yeah. Um, yeah like we were probably one of at least the first few which yeah. at least I have all under my belt. Watching you eat that Marmite with your drunk ass <laughs> dripping yeah. it all over you. <laughs> I feel ashamed to talk about that because I don't remember any of it. Oh, no. <laughs> and I'm not even saying that because I am so embarrassed. It's because I, I didn't even know that I fell asleep. Like, that's one of the least professional things I've ever done. <laughs> that was uh, pretty late into the after show, though. It wasn't, like, during the show, but, like, it was... I heard it was, like, at the tail end, which I was okay with. Yeah. <laughs> Like, but oh, those, no. dude, those after shows went until I, I don't know if I ever saw the end of one because I would always have to go to work, but they would go to like four or five in the morning. <laughs> People just yeah. like partying like on the Zoom. Yeah, because no one cared because we were in the like in the middle of the pandemic and the shutdown and the stay at home order. So people were just like, fuck it. We're yeah. going to rage to death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but. That was but no, it was a great time. And you, you're talking about bringing, uh, bringing the old Hamantha and brisket show back, aren't you? Yeah. Cause we kicked it off again in December and it was just so, so much fun. And I think it was probably one of our funniest shows that we've had in my opinion. And it was just done really well. And Griffin Browning was a total ball of a human and helped us produce like the tech side of it and did all the graphics Awesome! and we didn't stream it on zoom. And it, I think it reached more people to be honest that were like willing to watch it because they didn't have to get on fucking zoom. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> so it was great. And that's, uh, we're trying to take more time in between shows because we were doing them weekly every single Wednesday. Yeah. That's a lot, which the burnout is quick. <laughs> yeah for like virtual anyway like if it were in real life i don't think i would have ever gotten so burnt out but like it's tiring looking at faces all the time on your laptop um yeah and the tech stuff is such a pain in the ass with these zoom shows and these online shows it's and it's there's this huge learning curve because you're not used to doing it 
Yeah, it's a huge learning curve. I've actually learned a lot that I didn't think I would ever have the use of knowing for any reason. <laughs> I'm like, well, I've got this in my back pocket. For yeah. Something else. Yeah, I think we're trying to plan like monthly ones so that we like actually have more time to curate it and think a little bit more about the dialogue and who we have on and like themes and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, that'll be that'll be tight. And you're still gonna have the uh, crazy late after show. We did kind of this last time. Oh, it wasn't as late. It was maybe like two a.m. instead of five. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, if anybody ever wants to hang, we're down. But Bridget also usually just like leaves at like ten and goes to bed. She didn't stay super late. Uh, yeah, she's a responsible adult. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of us did. <laughs> right. Not responsible at all. <laughs> yeah, Kelsey was always a fixture there, and uh, yeah, yeah. There was there was like a there was a solid group. Fenner was usually in there. Luke, Luke Swisher. Mm-hmm. There's a yeah. There's a lot of people in there, and then there'd always be like like some people that were new that were just watching the show. Yeah, that were just chilling in the background. Yeah, they're like, oh, these people all know each other. <laughs> I was like, you're at an after show. If you want to hang, I'm so down. But like. I'm so uncomfortable that you're just sitting there with your mic off, staring. (laughs) Tell us your name or leave. Yeah, join, join us, join us. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, well, that was a big thing about at least in the local comedy scene. You go to a show and then you do the show, but then you're hanging out and you know you're you're friends with all the other comedians and whatnot, and so there's a lot of community there. So that was a great thing for uh, some of the comics to be able to hang out and, you know, see their friends and stuff too. But yeah, for sure. And there have been a lot of fun virtual comedy shows that have been going on. Yeah. But I've done a few. I can't remember all of them though. I, you know, 2020 was such a blur. I can't remember much past like either getting wildly drunk six days in a row or protesting. <laughs> Yeah, so. <laughs> a lot of drinking and a lot of protesting. <laughs> yeah, twenty twenty one is uh, hopefully going to be better. <laughs> I think it's going to be marginally better at least. I don't know. You're <laughs> 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 you not feeling not feeling hopeful about it. I'm not gonna bank on it. I'm not gonna put all my eggs in one basket. But we'll see. Yeah. I feel like I want to do the house shows again, right? So I'm looking forward to that. But in the meantime, I'm like, I decided I'm just going to put that out of my head and start some projects that I can actually do that don't involve, you know, crowds. And so I'm, I got a little bit more hope now because I'm like working on some projects where I don't have to draw a crowd of people physically together, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm still pretty much okay with doing virtual as long as it's not all the time. I don't have any foreseeable future, like, in-person things that I care about. <laughs> Mostly because, like, I'm still scared. Like, I just feel like we have another year before I'm comfortable with being like, oh, yeah, in-person things because COVID is scary. Yeah. But the vaccines are coming out, and people are getting vaccinated already, so. Yeah. No. Yeah, I feel like there's still plenty of reason to be worried and and if you start thinking about it to, you know, not be going out in public and shit like that. You know, going to open mics at this point is uh still pretty foolish. Whew, that's risky. Risky business. 
Yeah. I think we all have our own levels of comfort with how much we expose ourselves to this virus, uh, you know, at varying degrees. Like, you know, Luke ain't fucking with none of it. And some other people are still going to mics and shit, you know? So there's the whole spectrum in between, I suppose. I can appreciate it in the sense that, like, I do know that there are people that are taking every extreme measure and precaution to try and throw pros and events because I know that for a lot of people, like, this was their full-time job and our government doesn't give a shit about us and isn't supplying us with the funds that we deserve to make it through this. And so people feel like they have no other option if they don't have any other income. And so I get it from that standpoint and I am like very empathetic to that. But there are a lot of people that are just like whimsically doing things and like not even trying. (laughs) Right. Right. Not to name names at all, but like, I'm just saying. (laughs) Yeah. I got to call out. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I'm, you know, I'm very fortunate in that I, you know, my job is essential in construction. So I've, you know, been able to keep working and stuff and it's not like a public job. Like I'm not going into, uh, you know, restaurants or, or bars or anything like that with a lot of people standing around, you know, so it's a little different, but I still have to go to like fucking Lowe's and, you know, I went, I get so fucking upset. I go into like a tool repair shop recently that I won't mention the name of. And uh, this guy's just standing there with his fucking mask around his chin. And I'm like, what the fuck are you even doing? There's a sign on your door that says I have to wear a mask. And I come in here, you're behind the counter, not wearing a mask. Worse yet around your chin, which is basically like, fuck you. (laughs) You know, I'm going to put it on my face, but not actually usefully. Yeah. He's just one of those like obtuse brain people. It's like <laughs> it's like wearing a seatbelt but not actually clasping it, just kind of draping it over your waist. Yeah, like what's the point? There's no point. This isn't protecting you. You're still gonna die. Yeah, or like anything happen. Okay, so here's another one, and I and I'm the type of person that wants to just be like, hey, what the fuck are you doing? But then I've like learned as I've gotten older to restrain myself a little bit. But now I'm wondering if I should be restraining myself when I see somebody at Lowe's with their nose full fucking out. I'm like, why even try? What are you doing? Uh, I'm all for calling those people out. Like, let's just be real. Like There's in no public. No reason. <laughs> you see, you see somebody like in public and their nose is full ass hanging out of their mask. You do you think it's our position that we should uh, we should be like, hey, mask over the fucking nose, you know, like, yeah, or just like walk by people who have their masks like below their nose and like right above their upper lip or like aren't wearing a mask and just be like, hey, I like a mask. And then maybe they'll be like, oh, <laughs> oh be, be a little <laughs> passive aggressive about it. <laughs> yeah, nice mask. Love it for you. Like yeah. that, I'm cool with that. I'm good at doing that, being path progressive. <laughs> well, I feel like if you address it at all, then you know they they're gonna be like shitty, and then they're probably gonna want to confront you or something. And now they're spitting in your face, basically, you know. So I yeah. I just I just like I, maybe I'm even more passive aggressive. I just make a a wide berth when I see them. I just step very far to the left or right, you know, and like try to stay as far away from them as possible. Yeah, I'm also just, like, I'm always in fight-or-flight mode these days, and, like, usually I'm picking fight, so <laughs> it's, like, any time I can call someone a dumbass to their face, like, I'm all for it. Yeah. 
I'm cool with it. Yeah. Uh, looks like we're getting a phone call here. Uh, hello, this is Lampshade Media Presents. The Applebee's Bitch Wax presents the two for 21 menu with Samantha Sizemore. Who is, the, who is this caller? This is not WRXK and the wolf. The, the the wolf. No, this is not the wolf. This is definitely the Applebee's Woo! bitch wax. Man, I fucking love you guys, man. Hey, play, hey, play fucking uh, Ted Nugent. <laughs> Nugent, baby, Nugent. Okay. Cat scratch fever. If I was the wolf, I can assure you I would not be playing the Nugent, okay? Not none of that. I would do not. Well, all right. All right. Well, hold on. What? I mean, fucking Nugent, man. No, no. I think his uh, <laughs> his his, uh, his hunting and his general personality of has has turned me off of his. Uh, well, you know that aside. I mean, you know, hunting be people doing doing that for thousands of years. I don't think it's a big deal that the nudes likes to bow hunt some deer. <laughs> so, you know. so are you understand why it's a problem? But whatever. And then, yeah, he's you know. What what's your name? John Snow. John Snow. I've seen your work on uh, TV, right? No, sir. I've never been on the television before. Is this not WRXK3? No, sir. No, sir. This is Lampshade Media Presents. The Applebee's Bitch Wax presents the two for 21 menu with Samantha Sizemore. That's a long name. Yeah, yeah. What do you... Two for 21. What? Yeah, we don't... What do you get two of for $21? Well, I haven't seen the menu yet. Two for 21 what? I haven't seen the What's I haven't now? seen the menu yet, but you're uh, you're on the line. You're on the air here with uh, local uh, comedian Samantha Sizemore. Have you uh, have you heard of Samantha Sizemore? Hey. Samantha Sizemore. Yes, Smore. I think yeah, I've seen. I, yeah, I've seen. I've seen it out and about. I have. I get down to town every now. Yeah, and then. when you're not listening to it's Ted down. Nugent, that's good. I like it. <laughs> Ted Nugent. Well, yeah. I mean, I get down to uh, listen it on the way. You know, on the giraffe. It's fucking good. You took a giraffe to one of my shows. A giraffe. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, on the not. I wasn't riding a giraffe. I was listening to Dark Chia Three the giraffe. It was. It was good. What what other what other music do they play on this station? You know, they got Led Zepp, fucking Def Lap, all sorts of like bands that can be short. The Nuge, Dead Zepp. Okay. I don't know any of these bands. What's well, not? Is this is this, is it all classic you rock know, then? Molly Crook. Mon- well, you know, it's a lot of you know. It's a bit. Did you just shortly shorten Motley Crew to Motley Crook? Well, it's a little shorter, you know. So helps <laughs> attack stuff like that. Definitely faster to say. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, if there's less letters, it's generally faster to say yeah i guess that that does make sense <laughs> mathematically yeah, yeah. <laughs> well samantha do you uh you have any uh any opinions on on this uh on this music should we play ted nugent for for uh mr john snow uh yeah yeah we should do that <laughs> uh, <laughs> make I'm, it worth his time i was hoping you were gonna say no here. but Right on, right on. You know, I mean, I thought you know, because you guys didn't do the woo with the wolf, you know. I didn't think it was the wolf, but you guys are going to play it, so right on. The wolf would play, it, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's cool, but you guys will do it too, so that's that I'm works sure out. it's been a long winter for Jon Snow, so we should definitely play him some tunes. Yeah, it's yeah. been a long, it's been a long winter for everyone. John, do you do you listen to any modern music? You get anything that's coming out in the past, you know, five ten years? You know, uh. Like 
Eddie Van. Toby Keith. <laughs> Eddie Van. Did you just say Toby Keith? <laughs> Toby Keith, he's been in the top 10 years, right? Uh, something, something, something like that. People. Maybe like, uh, you know, like, like watching those uh, NPR Tiny Desk concerts. I don't, oh, I don't yeah. think Ted Nugent's been on that. Maybe like an Aerosmith Tiny Desk. They ought to. I mean, Ted Nugent doesn't, you know, he takes up too much room for the Tiny Desk concert. You know what I mean? It's a spectacle. Yeah, it's a whole deal. Can't get, you can't, you can't get in there. You know what I mean? It's a, you know, it's on, you know. I am, I am so curious. Like, I wonder if uh, the wolf or the giraffe, uh, these radio stations are giving out my, my uh, phone number. <laughs> You know, I might have misdialed or maybe something changed. You know, the phones be changing. Yeah. And so maybe that happened. But, you know, this is, I'm having a good time. This is fun. Y'all going to play Ted Nugent and then it'll be, I'll be all, it'll be all right. So, Samantha, I don't think legally we can actually play Ted Nugent's tracks, but I think what we can do is if you're willing uh, to sing Ted Nugent for, uh, for Mr. Snow, uh, I think we can we can we can do that legally. Uh, I don't so. know a single Ted Nugent song. So <laughs> <laughs> one, two, three, four. Cat scratch yeah, fever. 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 Yeah, I'm so loud. It's good. I yeah, like we're it. having fun. <laughs> Samantha, what's your favorite bands? Let's see if if, if John Snow would be into that. Puddle of mud. You were full of shit. <laughs> I'd like to see them revive right. themselves. You're trying okay. to appeal. How's that? Say? What's the one song? How's that one song go? The puddle of mud song. Don't step in this puddle of mud. I don't know. I don't even know what songs they have. <laughs> yeah, obviously a huge fan. That'd be a good song. <laughs> yeah, huge fan. No, you're a you're an Anderson Pack fan. I know that for sure. Oh yeah, I do love Anderson Pack. He's certainly one of many. He's great. Yeah. He's got some great tunes. I like I like Andy Pack. I've I've heard that Andy Pack. He's Andy? Like, <laughs> Andy Pack. Yeah, he got it. He's another you one can you shorten too. You really want to do just say less words. Andy Pack. I like him. He smiles really nice. There's not even a K at the end of the same time. Andy Pack. It's great. That's a yeah, this is a, we should just begin shortening all of our favorite bands at this point. It just, you know, it's just faster. Yeah. I think. Like, yeah, uh, instant gratification. That's what we're all about now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, John Snow, thank you so much for calling in, man. Uh, it's, it's good to hear from you. And hey, you know, keep listening to Lampshade Media Presents. You know, uh, we'll uh, maybe play some, uh, some music that you can shorten the band's name. All right, man. All right, Wolfman. It's been, it's been, could be on the radio, man. You've been on the radio. Normally, they just like take the song and they're like, "All right," but man, we talk about all this stuff for a little while. I just, you know, it was fun. Yeah, it. yeah, man. We'll put you. We'll put anyone on the air, really. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I like that. There's no requirement of the people. Yeah. And everybody. Right on, right on. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's good. All right, man. Well, we will talk to you later. Call in again sometime. All right. Thanks, All right, Johnny. I'll just not do that. Y'all have a good. All, All right. right. Get her on. <laughs> Who names their child Jon Snow? <laughs> no one.
<laughs> that's that's not like uh you know of the uh who names their their child john snow that that isn't uh on game of thrones and you know yeah, like from, the, like, from the north with a bastard child yeah the only people that do that are the ones that are wet for game of thrones and they're like i'm a <laughs> john snow <laughs> like with another last name like their middle name is snow just like john snow smith what they're naming their children is that is that is that you think that's happening yeah oh i'm sure <laughs> yeah there was some talk about uh people naming their daughters daenerys and that was like before the last season came out <laughs> that's, like embarrassing. that's like getting a tattoo you know if you're of a band yeah. or something that turns out to suck <laughs> So yeah, uh, I don't think if I had a radio show, I don't. I, I'm definitely wouldn't be playing Ted Nugent. What do you think? Uh, what what what, do you, what have you been listening to? Oh my gosh, uh, so much. Um, I have a couple of depression playlists. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I've weirdly I've been revisiting Paramore a lot. But we don't have to get into that. <laughs> um, Going back in time, huh? Yeah, my usual playlist are like Matt DeMarco, Wolfpack, who was really great. Oh, nice. I've been really into Cocktail Twins for some reason recently. Um, got a little bit back into Patsy Cline. My like music taste is all over the place. I listen yeah. to everything. <laughs> you know, I've I've been listening to more music than ever. I I think for a long time because of my involvement with the local music scene in Columbus, I was listening to mostly local music because I was going out and seeing so many shows. And now since there's no shows, I've been like just hitting up my Discover Weekly on Spotify way more often. Yeah. That's I got a lot of I'm my Spotify is just a mess. Like all of their recommendations and like things they what are they called? Like a little like daily album, whatever you just said. Discover weekly, yeah. Yeah, those things. <laughs> it's just like everything. Everything except for um country. It all You really just said Patsy Klein though. Yeah, but like old country is cool. Yeah, that real country. <laughs> Yeah, not the like the modern new age shit or <laughs> whatever well, it's called. I feel like there needs to be like some sort of way to to differentiate pop country from real country like that, you know? Cuz even yeah. there's there's new country that's pretty tight that like uh Tyler Childers and uh Jason Isbell and shit like that, you know. I do actually like Tyler a little bit. Yeah, he's super fucking tight. Did you hear that song he wrote about uh, the the Black Lives Matter protests and shit? I actually don't think that I did. Yeah, he wrote this song, this country song about that, and uh, was basically trying to help his, uh, you know, his, some of his fans that live in the in the rural areas to understand a different perspective, and it was just beautiful. I was listening to this and I was like, holy shit. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was super, super tight. And, it's, you know, he does some good stuff. I mean, you talked about depression playlists, and Jason Isbell is basically, if I just want to cry and, like, and be depressed, I just turn on any Jason Isbell, and at some point I will just, you know, want to end my life. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like I want to all the time, but, like... <laughs> 
I hate to say that because he's really good. Like he's so good, but like he does just like lend himself to my depression, my particular taste in depression. <laughs> uh, if you really want to get in your feels, there's this artist whose name I cannot remember. I'm gonna look him up right now because I've been listening to him a lot. I've got to find it. Um, but like, just like very like. These two songs I've been playing over and over. So good. Sobbing in my bed, curled up in the fetal position, just like crying in my pillow. It's great. I can't remember his name, but I'll figure it out. <laughs> mm. I listen to, to what's that? So he's very worth listening to. I've been listening to a lot of the father of the bride by uh, vampire weekend. And man, that, that makes me feel good. I love that record a lot. And that's a 2019, oh, yeah. but yeah, it's it's such a it's such a tight record. Like, have you listened to that much? I have, and it's so good. <laughs> it also just like makes me miss live shows. Yeah, it's so much. Yeah, I also got into this band called the Fruit Bats this this past year, which uh, oh, it's really fun. It's like a kind of a like an indie band. It's uh, but they've got uh, they got some great tunes. And of course, I don't have to mention uh, uh, Rainbow Kitten Surprise because I mention them every time I talk to anyone about music. Yeah, I've definitely heard you mention them before. <laughs> yeah, I won't. I won't bore you too much. They were the top. They were in my top ten of 2020 on Spotify. I had, I shit you not, eight songs from <laughs> from Rainbow Kitten Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> amazing love that <laughs> it's ridiculous i was i'm actually like i'm finally getting to the point now that i'm now that we're in 2021 where i'm like okay i get the urge to listen to rainbow kid surprise and i'm like no 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 because you do not want <laughs> my next next year's top 10 list cannot have eight rainbow kitten surprise songs in it jesus christ <laughs> i think it's like one is okay yeah, you know, be reasonable. <laughs> your wife? But if they put out a record this year, that motherfucker is going to be in there. Yeah. Um, oh, the artist I was thinking of is Matt Maltese. Have you heard of him before? No, I haven't. He sings this incredible song called As the World Caves In. Um, mm. And also, even if it's a lie, I think both just so good. Matt Maltese. I'm going to write that down. Yeah, check him out. Yeah, you feel a lot of things. Not the, really fast, but there's a guy. Um, it, this is another Matt. Um, I I want to say uh, he had that song about hallucinogenics. Driving past the limit, tripping on hallucinogenics. I don't think I know that one. <laughs> my cigarette burned my finger because I forgot I lit it. It's such a great tune, but he's got this other one. Uh. I think it's called the beggar's song and it's like just uh it, it's like it's a definitely a song for the depressed but it's also hopeful like that we're just gonna you know find find strength and hope and you know like not let this thing you know kill us or whatever and it, it's just like sometimes i have to turn that on and just be like ah yes it is things suck you know but it's like th there's yeah. there's hope at the end you know that kind of thing because uh we're definitely in the same boat Music is also the best medicine. <laughs> yeah, music and comedy. Let's change the phrase. How many things are the best medicine? 
Um, Thundercats also always on my playlist. Oh yeah, that's some wild stuff, and that's like music for musicians too. Yeah, and he's like collaborated with so many people. He has. There's there are actually a lot of even Rex Orange County. He's collabed with like Pyre the Creator a bunch. Um, they're also like my top ten favorites. Love both of them. Yeah. That song he did with Mac Miller on the Tiny Dust concert was really tight. Yeah. God, I love Tiny Dust. They're all such good concerts. Oh my gosh. <laughs> No, I've and I've said this before on the show. Tiny Desk has given me life in 2020. Like just chilling and watching those are so fantastic. It's a great way to just chill and like you know relax and not feel like the world is ending. One hundred percent. I would suggest if you haven't the Tank and the Bangas Tiny Desk concert is phenomenal. Actually, I think I have seen that one. Tank in the bangers. Yeah, there's, dude, it's really like, you really can't go wrong with Tiny Dusk. I just wish there was like a better way to not repeat them on YouTube. You know what I mean? Just a playlist that wouldn't be repeated constantly. Cause like I keep seeing the Mac Miller, Anderson Pack, like, you know, all the same like top, you know, top rated ones. So you have have to kind of try to not see the same ones over and over again. To be fair, I'm also usually just replaying Andersons over and over again. <laughs> so that's probably why. And YouTube's like, we can't even recommend you anything else. <laughs> Dude, it's hard not to see Anderson packs. Like you play any tiny desk and Anderson pack will be the next one on the playlist for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's so fucking Perfect. good. It's so fucking good. I it don't is. think last year, I don't even think I knew who Anderson Pack was. Uh, he kind of, uh, I don't want to say it was like his height or anything, but I feel like a lot more people picked up on him. It really took, I think it took tiny dusk has introduced me to a lot more, uh, like R and B and hip hop artists. And, uh, so yeah, seeing him on tiny dusk was like, Oh shit. You know? So there's been quite a few that I've picked up on that. And then like, I also picked and and it's weird. Like I'm like, see these bands on tiny desk and it ends up, they're like kind of poppy and they've got like, you know, 50 million fucking plays on Spotify. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) That's how I felt like when I saw uh, Daniel Caesar with uh, H E R. That was, that is, Oh my gosh. That one gives me chills every time. Cause yes, I also watched that one a lot. Oh my god, it's such a good song. It does make me want to fall in love. <laughs> yeah, wow. it's not helping. It. Yeah, if life is a movie, you're the best part. Such a good line. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna go cry now. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. It's uh yeah it's 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 a lot of fun and it does man music comedy what is it what is it about those things what is that thing what is the thing about music and comedy that that can make us kind of come out of that shitty mindset and let us enjoy life oh it's escapism for me is it? um first of all I'm a Pisces <laughs> okay. I say that jokingly but like I'm a Pisces so like I'm a water sign um. I'm also like Libra, Libra, Aquarius rising. I don't know. So I'm just like a very like daydreamy person. 
and I've been this way since I was a kid. So like the moment that I can just escape into my own brain, like I love sleeping because I love dreaming. I daydream so much sometimes that like I forget that I'm in a room, just a room. <laughs> Even if I'm with other people and they're like, where are you right now? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, just like daydreaming about shit. So like, that's what music has always done for me. Like I fall asleep to music. I listen to music when I'm cleaning, when I'm showering, when I'm shitting, brushing <laughs> my teeth, like all the time. So yeah. I don't know. It helps me like, I also, a lot of times attach songs to like my love life or like, um, I simp for people really hard so like i'll just make up an entire life for us <laughs> oh my gosh yeah i created a life for us and now i'm just like gone so i can forget about everything else happening in the world so that's fun yeah i love it <laughs> yep i uh i i kind of i kind of do that too i and it it's it i think it like actually like completely and utterly terrifies women so i'm just like learning not to do that <laughs> I I was uh I, I had got on uh on a date with this with this uh really really cool chick. Uh and we had a lot of stuff in common, right? Uh a lot of stuff in common and I was like, "Wow, this is really cool. Like, you know, we we have all this stuff in common." And then I did some Molly and <laughs> And ended up like texting her a bunch of shit. Like, like I was just kind of like thinking about all the cool stuff we had in common, you know. <laughs> and and then I ended up like because of you know Jesus Christ, like a uh, Rainbow Kitten surprise song. This Molly got me in all my ways. I've never been so confused or whatever. <laughs> oh man! And she was like, "Yeah, you're creepy as fuck." I was like, "Oh God, that was creepy. Yikes." <laughs> i can't I start away so can't start fast. planning our uh our life together after the first date it's super creepy <laughs> yeah i mean when i connect with somebody i'm pretty much like immediately pregnant like that's <laughs> where i go <laughs> like, i'm thinking that we can name him something something junior like what do you think <laughs> you're like, what the fuck are you talking about yeah absolute lunatic no no she was into podcasts and she also like designed uh furniture and shit and i'm a carpenter and i was just like wow this is amazing you know like uh, (laughs) god i wish i had restraint (laughs) yeah i don't know what that is i'm working very hard on it because like i mean no bad intention but um it's the impact that that intention has, I think, <laughs> which I'm learning very quickly about in my adult life. Yeah. Yeah. So it's either that or it's like, I'm very much not into the person. I don't care. Or they're completely awful human beings. So those are the three options. You're either too far, too much into a perfect person yep. or you don't give a shit about the person or yep. they're completely awful and you're there anyway because i feel like we might be the same person there's no middle ground for me and it's dangerous very unstable nobody could ever wed me so i get it <laughs> i know how this is happening <laughs> yeah i actually I, I actually am realizing that uh just how uh being because uh, i was married for fucking 15 years right Right. And so like all of my brain waves are in a, you know, long-term relationship loop. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and 
I have to like break out of that entirely because it's weird. You know what I mean? It's like I'm just used to being in like this long term relationship. So when I go on like a, you know, a couple of dates, like I don't really know how to act with women. That's not like long term relationship. You know what I mean? Yeah, that mixed with just like not knowing how to socialize anymore. Oh, like, yeah. I can't pick up on social cues at all at this point. And I'm sometimes we just like end up staring at each other and I don't realize that we're sitting in silence. <laughs> and they're just kind of like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm so sorry. Um, I forgot you were a person. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I guess I go of it. <laughs> I had a banger date thing going on during the summer when, you know, it's all the pandemic and stuff, but I was, you know, still, you know, uh, meeting some, some, some women on, uh, dating apps and I would, we would go to the park of roses. I would pick up tacos and then I would bring fresh margaritas. I would have, you know, homemade margaritas, no sour mix, none of that bullshit, a real margarita. And I had all the makings, had a shaker and everything. And I would just sit there and bartend some margaritas while we ate tacos at the uh, park. Pretty tight, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, it, I mean, it was, it was a fun, yeah, it was a fun date. I, I felt like I'm pretty proud of myself for my pandemic, uh, you know, adaptiveness there with the dating. But uh, after, after using that date more than once, though, like women picked up on the fact that I was using the same date for for other women. It was less authentic every single time. Yeah. Yeah. I was <laughs> running a program at that point. And so like, then they'd be like, oh, have you done this before? And I can't lie. I physically can't lie. <laughs> so I'd be like, yeah, I've done this nine times. No, I didn't. But. I, I, I didn't I mean, do that nine it times. It sounds like you might need to get more creative. You listen to the same band over and over again. Oh my God. You're preaching. The taco <laughs> You're like an AI at this point. Like, are you the real? <laughs> hey, I will have you know that I listened to uh, like something like, I, I had I had liked like 800 some odd new bands last year too, though. Just no, it's just that none of them were as good as Rainbow Kitten Surprise, and that's on them. Yeah, no, I get it. I actually I discovered a lot more new artists than I realized I had last year. But that's because I just had so much time on my hands. Yeah. Just like powering through people. Well, I used to listen to a lot more podcasts too. And I've been yeah. listening to more music. So what about comedy though? Have you been listening to any new comedy? So, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm weird with comedy. Like, I get on the comedy train, like, really, again, extremes. I'm extreme. I'm either, like, on the train very hard or, like, I don't take time out of my day to discover new, cool, inspiring, comedic thing. Um, I did finally, finally watch I Think You Should Leave. That took me a year or more i don't know when that came out but like i'm way behind on that train um but i think you should leave is so fucking hilarious i need to get on that one that was recently recommended to me it took me a while to catch up with uh, or to, to figure out auntie donna as well yeah it's um i don't know there's something about i mean i've done stand-up and i've enjoyed it but there's something about sketch comedy for me and writing comedy and being a part of it and an acting way 
like on screen or like on stage, which is like satisfying and appealing to me, and I love it. So binge, I think I've binged this three times in a row now. <laughs> it just makes me want to do sketch comedy so badly because I enjoy it so much. Nice. Well, I guess that's been one of the big things. Yeah, I that I, I'm trying to remember if I'd seen that one. Uh, the I think you should leave, uh, but the just the absurdness of the auntie donna stuff it's so crazy over the top yeah and then it'll just switch directions wildly in the middle of a sketch you know right (laughs) which i just i just love it so much you know we're talking about how everything's a drum and then we're in a cult (laughs) (laughs) there's so much happening (laughs) And then we're talking to a fucking dishwasher. It's amazing. <laughs> Which is pretty much just how I felt for a year. <laughs> talking to inanimate objects and just like floating from one scene to the next. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's... how I get high. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. Well, man, it is uh Samantha, it has been fantastic. We've been friends for a while now, and it's and I finally got you on the show. It's so good having you on uh, Lampshade Media Presents. The Applebee's Bitch Wax presents the two for 21 menu. Ugh, that never grew on me during this entire episode. I really thought it was going to grow on you. No, it didn't. It's not in the cards for me. Really? I appreciate the effort. Do you think it's going to grow on our, on our, on our listeners? Um, potentially solely just because like I hate it. They might just be like, well, I fucking love it. You <laughs> dumb bitch. <laughs> so I hope no. that's what happens. <laughs> I think our, I think our listeners are really, cause you're hip, you know, I, tr- I, I trust your, your take on things. <laughs> you're super cool, you know? and hip in a way that I'll never be. But like people tell me that because I look cool and calm and serene on the outside. And I'm like, I'm actually losing my fucking mind internally right now. Yeah. I am anxious kitten. I don't know why I called myself kitten. It's because of the cat eyes. (laughs) Yeah. That (laughs) cut that entire thing out. I never said that. (laughs) (laughs) That was terrible. <laughs> so yeah, but uh yeah, but I mean we're just you're the first uh, the first official episode of the new brand. Wow, that's I'm honored. Yeah. I hope, I think. <laughs> um actually you should change that that name. I had I a feeling we- you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah. I think we all did. Is anybody surprised? <laughs> I had a feeling because you are so hip and so cool. Yeah. I thought you were going to like, maybe like talk me into something different. What do you have any, you have any ideas for me or do I just need to, to do this alone? Cause I don't think I can handle it. Uh, anxious kitten RS 2.0. <laughs> Deep dive. <laughs> this 2.0 who died deep dive (laughs) (laughs) all right all right so we got we got because you were an anxious kitten right yeah so anxious kittens are us 3.0 deep dive baby 
Deep dive, baby. <laughs> all right. All right. I'm I'm feeling this energy. I'm really feeling this. I'm not mad at it. Yeah. It this feels good. good. This feels like something I can really build on, you know, that I can really like create a podcast empire out of, you know? God, I hope so. Maybe, uh, you know, someday like Kevin Smith will be coming to me, you know? <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> Hell Yeah. <laughs> Well, what have we, man, we've, we've gotten through a lot of material. We yeah. have really had a great conversation. What have we learned today? What have we learned today? Kiddos. We've learned that I need to be on medication. Yeah. We, we all, yeah. we all need a little medication. Probably <laughs> everybody go to therapy if you can afford it. Take your meds if you need it and if you can afford it. And if you can't, I'm so yeah. sorry. Well, we Everything. learned, we learned a lot about women have options and we yeah, we learned how to get in touch with, uh, with Mr. Pat Deering about, uh, some, some political stuff. We had a good conversation there. Yeah. But we got Amantha and brisket coming back, baby. It's very exciting. I'm excited. I'm thrilled. Oh, also just a quick plug, just like real quick. Yeah. Uh, Amber Falter and I are starting a comedy cooking series called Idiot Kitchen. I love this. Yeah. Uh, no pressure to either of us. We're currently still planning it, but like hoping just a little bit after maybe like March, like my birthday, we'll start picking up with that. Fucking A. I love that. I love it. Yeah. I'm pretty stoked. Amber's yeah. hilarious and incredible and the sweetest human on earth. Oh my gosh. She's so sweet. She's so kind and she's such a fun person just to be around. She's so fucking funny. Love Amber. Yeah. And she paints animals real well. She does? She's talented. Yeah. She like she puts paint crazy. on animals. Is that, I mean, is that even legal? <laughs> she, she paints pictures of them. Oh yeah. That makes more Perfect. sense. I got dad jokes for days. I can't wait till the open mics open back up so I can go up there and talk about my jokes. Oh yeah. <laughs> I can't wait for that. <laughs> Looking well, forward to it. Well, we, we learned a lot and, and now I've got a new name and I feel good about life. I do too. I feel pretty serene. <laughs> <For now. laughs> Hell yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Samantha. I love you. Thank You're you. fucking fabulous. You're fantastic. That's so nice. Thank you so much. I love and appreciate you. I'm sorry that it's taken me so long um, to do an episode like this, but yeah. here we are. Well, someday, someday I'll be uh, I'll be booking you to do some uh, some comedy. So I would love that. Hell I'll yeah. be around. All right, we'll see you. Bye. This program is produced by Lampshade Media, hosted by Mel Milliman. Music by Tyson Shipman. Graphic design by Griffin Browning. Social media by Sam Welch. Voiceover by Ryan Branch. And a special thank you to our sponsors, Paddy Wagon Food and The Garden.